The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. The scripture reading for today is from Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable. In the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will be praised, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the reading for today. Great to be with you guys today, and we are in our final week of Detox. And we've been kind of looking back at 2020 and saying, okay, what happened in 2020, and how do we bring something different as we go into 2021? Week one, we talked about how our own sinful selfishness is at the root heart of so much of what went wrong last year. Then we talked about tribalism and partisan politics and how we can sink our identities into these individual tribes that take us out of our identity as Christians. Last week, AJ gave an awesome message on social media. I think we've got that up in our podcast if you didn't get a chance to check that out, but really talking about how we respond, not react when it comes to social media and how we bring that into our lives. This final week, though, actually ended up changing as this series went on, as we were kind of praying through and thinking through what we needed to detox from, the concept of fear and anger and how much of that drove what happened in 2020 and, quite frankly, is still driving what's happening in this year, 2021. Fear and anger are the root cause of so much of the dissonance that's happening in our lives. Uh, We've been joking a lot about Star Wars today, but uh, Yoda put it this way, fear is the way to the dark side. You see, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. I think they're going to adjust the camera real quick. I'm pretty sure I moved off my spot, I'm sure. There we go. Sweet. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, so fear is the way of the dark side, right? It's kind of corny, but it's something that's true, right? That this fear ultimately leads us to get angry, and then as we get angry, we start to hate, and that hate leads to suffering. And while I would not put Yoda on the same level as the Bible, obviously, there is actually some deep biblical truth to that that we're going to kind of unpack today as we look at what healthy fear looks like, and what biblical anger looks like. Because the Bible talks a lot about fear, and the Bible talks a lot about anger, and there is a way for us to navigate that that changes and challenges the way that the world is going to have us navigate that. This is from Proverbs 1, chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When I was early in my faith, 
and I would see these words, the fear of the Lord, it always kind of confused me because I always thought of my God as my Father, Jesus as my Savior. Why should I be scared of him? But when you actually look at what fear translates in the Old Testament, while there is an aspect that fear can mean terror, right, to be terrified of something, the ultimate root of it talks more about having a healthy respect for something, understanding something's power, right? To give you an example of this and to kind of prove my point, you see this in the Psalms. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says this, For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You see, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That scripture is not saying that when God made you, when God made me, he was terrified, right? I mean, some of us, maybe he's like, okay, this could go a lot of different ways, right? No, no, no. Fearfully and wonderfully made. God made us with awe, with respect, Something powerful was happening, and God had respect for what was happening. And so when it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what Scripture is saying is when we have a biblical respect, a proper respect for who our God is. Because at the end of the day, what is clear in Scripture is that our God is in control of everything. Our God is in control of the virus. Our God is in control of politics. Our God is in control of our finances. Our God is in control of our families, of our jobs. And starting with this biblical foundation that we understand who has the most power, and it's nothing in the world. You see, the world is going to scream in our face constantly that we are out of control and that they have the key to getting us back into control. Invest with this firm, and you'll be financially secure. Get this job, and you'll be secure. Have your family do this, and your core family will be okay, right? The world literally specializes in advertising to us to drum up our fears, to respect something that's not of God, that they can quote-unquote give us security, but that's not biblical fear, right? You see this again all throughout Scripture. This comes from Deuteronomy. Be strong and courageous, God calls his people. Do not be afraid or terrified of them, whoever they are in the world, right? For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. In the Old Testament, biblical fear was not pretending there were not outside forces that were wrong in the world. It wasn't plain pretend that everything was fine, that there weren't enemies, that there weren't going to be challenges, but instead... Their faith was based on the respect that God was going to go with them wherever they went, right? It's that 800-pound gorilla joke. Where does an 800-pound gorilla sit? Well, wherever it wants to, right? Because it's the biggest thing in the room. Our God is the biggest thing in any room, any situation we enter into. Jesus put it this way in the Gospels. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. You see, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid, church. You are worth more than many sparrows. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Every hair on our head is known by the God of the universe. 
And you see, what we find is that when we have biblical fear, it drives away worldly terror. And again, I don't know about you, but for me, there was a lot of worldly terror in 2020 and into 2021 now, right? Because everyone who was in 2020, we all made it to 2021. Everywhere you go, there you are. And that worldly terror can be so all-consuming. And it grabs us, and it doesn't let us go. But what we have in our God is to have biblical fear, to realize that we don't have to be terrified of the things of the world. That doesn't mean, again, that we play pretend but it means that our faith allows us to interact with these things differently. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, as Philippians puts it, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus because we understand the God that we have and what our God is doing, right? So we have biblical fear versus worldly terror. And then we have biblical anger or righteous anger versus unrighteous anger. And as I was spending time in Scripture this week trying to really figure out how do we want to define this, so not only does that make sense, but it helps us understand how do we respond when things go wrong. For me, it came down to the difference between righteous and unrighteous anger is whether it drives you to act out of hate or to act for the good of others. You see, we've got a lot of angry people right now in this country. Whether or not you liked what happened on January 20th and who was elected or didn't, whether or not you think we've been doing the right thing with the virus or the wrong thing with the virus, we have gotten into our tribes, we have gotten angry, we realize that there is some brokenness in the world, and that anger starts to well up into action. And the definition, the way how we can tell if we are righteous in our anger or unrighteous in our anger is, is it driving us out of hate to do something? Or are we doing something for the good of all? To see biblical justice, biblical outcomes happening in our families, in our nation, and in our world. And again, you see how Jesus interacts with this in the Gospels. Another one of my favorite scriptures, favorite stories of Jesus, because it's really very different than how we normally see him. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem he went into the temple courts and he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords. He drove them all out of the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus shows up and he sees brokenness in the world and he gets angry because these religious people are selling animals. And that wasn't the issue. It was the money changing thing. It was a way to get more money out of people so they could actually worship and sacrifice to their God. Jesus got upset. He got biblically, righteously angry. Freaking builds a whip. Goes all Indiana Jones on the situation, right? Overturns everything. Biblical anger causes us to act. But, but it's for the good of everyone. You see, Jesus didn't walk around captivated and just angry at the world. And if anyone had the right to be angry about what was happening, it was Jesus 
John 1 says that he created the entire world. It was meant to be good, and humans come up, and we just muck everything up. Jesus could have come down and just literally spent his entire ministry with a whip, turning over tables and saying, why did you screw up my father's world the way you did? And yet that's not the God that we have. That's not what righteous anger looks like. Righteous anger does not captivate us in the same way that the world's anger does. And make no mistake, the world is trying to get us angry. And we're falling for it again and again and again. I was uh, listening to some podcasts uh, over the last couple of weeks about how anger actually triggers us. And not just triggered, but it actually releases endorphins in our brain. It feels good to get angry. This is a uh, medical professional. Anger is the public, uh, public epidemic in America. It is involved in everything from media controversy to road rage to wars to mass shootings. What happens is that anger can lead to similar rushes as thrill-seeking activities where danger triggers dopamine reward receptors in the brain. Or like other forms of addiction, such as gambling, extreme sports, drugs like cocaine, anger can become its own reward. But like other addictions, the final consequences are dangerous and real, and people follow impulses in the moment without regard to the big picture. Church, our nation has become a nation of anger addicts. I have found myself trapped in this. We have to come up with words like doom-scrolling. We listen to media sources. We have conversations where we just get angry. And what we don't realize is that there is a unique, unhealthy, evil harmony between our physical bodies, which are releasing dopamine, and our sinful nature, that by its nature is totally cool with being angry. And we've become addicted to that rush. We've become addicted to dunking on the other side, whoever the other side is. I can't believe they did that. And every time we see it, every time we have that conversation, that addiction triggers. And we go back for another hit. And we go back for another hit. We go go back for another hit. Do you want to know why our nation is divided as much as it is right now? It's because we've become addicted to being angry at the other. And that addiction leads to hate. And that hate manifests itself in all kinds of toxic ways, whether it's toxicity around a dinner table, relationships, whether it's riots over the summer or riots at the Capitol, This only ends one way, and it's the way of sin, and it destroys all relationships with everything it touches. Again, from uh, Paul, writing to the church, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. There's only one team, guys. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Notice how he doesn't say, don't get angry. 
No, biblical anger, righteous anger is a good thing, but the difference is that worldly anger will hold you captive in a state of anger. It doesn't let you go. You have to stay angry at the other side. You have to stay angry at what's happening in the world. That's not the peace of God. That is not what biblical anger leads us to do. You see, biblical anger leads us to act out of love. Worldly anger holds us in a state where we can't let it go because it won't let us go. And then we wonder why these relationships, we wonder why we can't sleep at night. We wonder why the church isn't that city on a hill to a nation that deeply needs to figure out how to heal, that needs to figure out how to reconcile, that needs to figure out an off-ramp to all the fear, all the terror, and all the hate that we're seeing in all these different media platforms, all these different organizations. We need to detox from our fear and our anger. I'm going to invite Tanner up, and this is where that pen and paper are going to come in handy. I'm going to give you guys a couple of minutes, and I just want you to reflect on two separate questions, all right? First questions, what are three fears that you have right now about the future? All right, what are three things that are keeping you up at night? Maybe it's about our nation. Maybe it's about your family. Maybe it's about your job. But what are, what are three fears that you have right now that aren't in healthy respect our healthy proportion to who our God is. And then the second thing are right, three spaces where you regularly find yourself getting angry. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's text messages with a family member or a friend. Maybe it's a news source. But we're going to just take a couple minutes and reflect and spend some time, and then we're going to go into a time of repentance. We're going to offer these up to God. And then we're going to see that he actually gives us not only an off-ramp off this insanity, but an on-ramp to something that's so much more powerful. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.